Good morning, church. It's great to have you here. If you're visiting with us this morning, again, I want to welcome you. It's great to have you here at church with us. Uh, we're going to have a great Bible study this morning. We're going to be continuing in our uh, series, Deal or No Deal. So if you've noticed the suitcases up here, if you ever uh, uh, saw the show before, you kind of give you a little idea of what we're talking about. But for the last couple of weeks, uh, just in case this is the first time you're joining us this morning, uh, we've been uh, going uh, through a series studying about uh, dealing with temptation. And uh, just to kind of uh, get an idea here uh, from all of us here this morning, um, how many of us uh, have ever uh, been tempted to do something they knew or thought possibly could be wrong? Okay, raise your hand. Have you ever tempted to do something that uh, you knew or thought could possibly be wrong? Go ahead, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, so everyone look around. Keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Everyone look around. So, see, you're not the only one, amen? You can put your hand down. So that in and of itself, if you go home at this time, you've already gotten a lot from this sermon this morning, okay? But, you know, maybe you've been tempted to look at something, touch something, feel something, buy something you shouldn't. You are not alone. Everyone struggles with temptation. The Bible even says that Jesus himself was tempted in all ways that you and I have been tempted, but yet never sinned. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that's awesome to hear about that. And we all have our, our kid stories of time of temptation. It reminds me of the story of this young boy who, um, when his mom was not around, decided he wanted a, uh, an Oreo cookie. And uh, the Oreo cookies, his mom had, I don't know why moms always put them on top of the refrigerator. So he put it on top of the refrigerator, and he knew that he wasn't supposed to grab any of these Oreo cookies. So he decides to climb on a stool, then climb on top of the counter, and then reach from the counter up onto the top of the refrigerator, grab the Oreo cookie, and right as he's biting into the cookie, his mom comes in and says, Hey, what are you doing? And the little boy says, Well, I just wanted to smell it. I just wanted to smell it, and then it got stuck in my tooth. That was his explanation. You know, I remember when I was uh, uh, when I was young. Some of you guys have heard the story of me going to J.C. Penney uh, and a store there with my mom, and uh, kind of walking around, noticing a pen flashlight, nice silver pen flashlight, and I saw it, and it was so shiny, it was so nice, it was so small. I thought it would be perfect, it would fit perfectly in my pocket. I, I could use this; it could be very practical. I could read at night. I mean, this is going to be great. I could be cool. And so I just kind of looked at it, I saw it, I wanted it, I walked around, I walked around, I knew my mom would not buy it for me, and then I decided to actually grab it, you know, wrap it up and put it in my pocket. And, uh, you know, I took it, I, I fell into temptation. I took the, the, the pimp flashlight, I walked out that day, and, uh, and then as soon as I walked out, I was so excited, I took it out. And so my mom saw me looking at this pimp flashlight and said, hey, where'd you get that from? I said, well, from the store. She said, well, we didn't pay for that. So she took me back in. It was a great lesson of not stealing uh, because they actually kind of had a talk with me and kind of scared me straight about never stealing something from a store. Amen. So today we're going to be in our, the last part of our series on dealing with temptation and the prime seductor Satan that's titled Deal or No Deal. And we've looked at temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden and learned that the difference is not your situation, but your conviction. 
You can be in the very best situation, have everything going your way, like Adam and Eve did, right, in paradise. I mean, that's a pretty nice place to be. And yet, even there, they fall and give in to temptation. We've also looked at the life of Job, and we look at what it's like when we're tempted uh, through the testings and sufferings in our lives. And I know if we had a raise of hands, we've all raised our hands. We've gone through a difficult, a tough time in our lives. And to actually trust God after that, to actually decide to believe in God in the midst of that is a great challenge. You know, just recently I was talking to my brother. My brother uh, uh, became a Christian uh, and uh, unfortunately left the church about already about 13 years ago. But he still really keeps in contact a lot with Christians. And my hope that is that he would come back. His wife just recently got restored, which is really exciting. So uh, he's been going to church. And uh, recently uh, his mother-in-law... Uh, uh, passed away and so uh, and then after that a year later which was actually about last week his father-in-law passed away and so on the way to uh, to the funeral uh, right before they got to the funeral his van is on their only car broke down the motor just stopped working it's actually in East LA right now so uh, so the van broke down uh, then uh, when he got back their son uh, broke his clavicle my nephew Broke his clavicle. And then yesterday when I was talking to him, he was trying to figure out how to fix his van. Uh, the garage fell on his toes, the garage door. The garage door fell on his toes. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, he's probably struggling. He's probably having a really hard time right now. So I tried to be, you know, as, as commiserative as I could and as encouraging as I could. And it was really encouraging for him to say, you know what? In spite of everything that's going on, I have a lot of things to be thankful for. And I was like, wow, that's really awesome, you know. How we respond in times of trouble and testing says a lot about who we are. Amen. But this week we're going to be talking about looking at the temptation of Jesus. And we're going to talk about how to overcome temptation. Because if we all deal with it, then it's important to know how to deal with it. Right. How to overcome it. How to make sure we don't take the bait. We don't make the deal with Satan and fall into temptation. And so. During this series, we, we've introduced a couple of New Testament passages. If you have your Bible with, with you, you can go ahead and turn. If you, take, you have your notebook, you can write it down. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. You can share with the person by you, or you can just read the Scriptures on the screen. So one Scripture we looked at, 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. Uh, uh, in the New Testament, there's Paul writing about Satan's work in the New Testament. He says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sakes. He's talking about forgiving and the importance of forgiving each other. But then he he interjects this thought about the reason why it's important to forgive. And he says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So one thing we learn from this passage is that Satan tries to outwit us. He tries to fool us. He tries to tempt us. But he also has some schemes. He has a plan of action. He has ways that he works. And so if you and I are aware of the ways that he works in our lives, we can more readily face times and moments of temptation in our life. We also looked at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. Uh, this is the Apostle John writing uh, in his writing about Satan and his work and temptation. And he says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And so John explains a little bit of what goes on in all of our lives in regards to temptation. Part of temptation is the lust of the flesh, is the physical needs that we all have can be used to tempt us into doing what's wrong. Because we're in the flesh, because we are in this body, we have physical needs. And those physical needs are good, but sometimes they can be used for bad and lead us into temptation, into sin. The lust of the eyes, and we saw that with Adam and Eve, right? First of all, they were hungry, so they looked at the fruit, and then they saw the fruit, they saw that it was, it was nice and it looked good for eating. I think if it was an ugly fruit, they wouldn't have taken it, right? Have you ever tried to feed your kids something that does, looks bad but tastes good? No, it's really good. No, no it's really good. No, I don't think so. No, I'm, trust me, it's really good. No. Well, it, that fruit happens to look really attractive. And sometimes our eyes, we're attracted by things, and that's how you and I are tempted, just like Adam and Eve were. And then the pride of life, you know, the promise that Satan the serpent gave to Adam and Eve. Hey, you know, if you take this fruit, then you're going to be like God. You're going to know what he knows, and he's just trying to hold you back. And the pride of really, you know, wanting to be more. And that's really some of the challenges that we face when we deal with temptation. We also see it, and we'll see it this morning as we look at the temptation of Jesus. And then 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Last week, of course, uh, we looked into the life of Job. And uh, one of the, uh, the scriptures that's a little bit scary to me in that passage, in the book of Job. I know Job is actually one of the most read books in the Bible. There are a lot of people that don't really read the Bible, but they read Job. And usually, you know, it's the recommended book when you're going through tough times. If you're going through a tough times, like, hey, you know, you need, re- you need to read Job. But, you know, in there, it mentions the passage where, where uh, God asked Satan, hey, Satan, where you been at? Where you been? He says, uh, no, we're just kind of going from here to there around the world. Just kind of roaming around the world. Here's a word for you, gallivanting. Just gallivanting around, just kind of strutting around the world. And it just got a little scared of me. He's like, man, is that what, you know, Satan's just kind of cruising around. And what is he doing? And the, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and sober-minded and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so that's what Satan is doing. He's kind of prowling around. He's looking around. He's traveling around. He can't be at every place at one time, but he is working hard to find ways where he can trip God's people, tempt God's people, seduce God's people, ruin God's people, and take them away ultimately from God and his salvation. So this morning the question really is, is, Will you make a deal or not? Will you take the deal or not? Will you strike a deal with Satan? Will you give in to temptation? And my hope is that from reading this morning and reading in the passage here from the book of Matthew of the temptation of Jesus, you and I can learn how to overcome temptation. Amen. You guys ready for that? All right, let's look over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And uh, this is Matthew, uh, who had been a Jewish tax collector uh, prior to following Jesus. 
And he saw it important to write this down for our benefit. We also know that Mark briefly covers this temptation. And also Luke, uh, who was one of uh, Paul's uh, 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 company there in his missionary journeys, later on also writes this in his, uh, uh, in his uh, gospel, the gospel according to Luke. And so we see here in Matthew chapter 4, and we begin reading. Amen? This is what the Bible says. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which is understandable. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, the first question we have to ask yourself is, why was Jesus tempted? I mean, what was the reason behind it? We know that the Bible says he was not full of the Spirit. He had just been baptized, and he goes into the desert, and he prepares to be tempted by Satan. He says, why? What is the purpose of this? Why does this happen? You know, when uh, the railroads were being built, there was uh, one uh, uh, really impressive bridge that was built over this chasm that, that spanned a, a, a long ways. And you've kind of seen a lot of those railroad bridges, right, with all the woods and the struts and, 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 and that had been built along the rail line. And, and uh, during the first, first um, Union Railroad was being built. And so once this, uh, this bridge was built... To test it, the main engineer decided that he was going to put double the amount of cars. They usually travel, double them up in weight and put double the amount of cars and, and place them on that bridge. So then he rolls all that double amount of cars into the bridge, on top of the bridge, and he leaves them there for a number of days. And just leaves them there. And then finally one of the people asked him, so what are you trying to do? Are you trying to... To destroy? Are you trying to break the bridge? He says, no. I'm trying to show that it cannot be broken. And you see, when we see the life of Jesus, why was he tempted? It's really for our sake. Is God showing us that Jesus was tempted just like you and I are tempted? That he wasn't someone that was just, you know, God on earth, just, you know, didn't struggle with the things that we struggle with. He was also hungry. He also felt temptation, but yet he was shown to overcome, and he was able to overcome. And so that gives you and I hope, first of all, to trust him as our Savior, but second of all, to learn from him when you and I are also faced with temptations in our lives. Amen? So he's led by the Spirit, and he's tempted by the devil, and then the Bible continues on. It says, it says, then the devil took him to the holy city. So first of all, he tempts him with bread. It's pretty obvious, right? He hasn't eaten for 40 days. I don't know if you've ever fasted for a while. You know, or I don't know if you ever went on the no-carb diet. And then you drove by a subway. And then you smell the bread. Right? Or you, you, you drove by the uh, panaderia, Right? And you smell the nice Mexican sweet bread. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not eating bread anymore. No more bread. Or you 
You walk, you, you walk by a, an Italian restaurant and you smell the pasta. They say, oh, no, 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 no more pasta. I can't eat pasta. Or you walk by Yoshinoya and you smell the rice. I don't know if rice has as much smell, but, you know, you smell the rice and you're like, oh, I want to have rice, but no, I can't have any. And I would imagine that these breads that were offered to Jesus were, were, were they smelled really good. And yet he says, you know what, man does not live on bread alone, but on the word that comes from God's mouth. But then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written. I mean, Satan starts quoting scriptures. He does take it out of context, but he does start quoting scriptures. And he says, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I mean, that, that's Jesus' response. So he, he takes him up on top of this hill and says, you know what? Hey, you're the son of God. Why don't you do a miracle? Let's see what you got. And God says, you know what? It's not good. Uh, Jesus says, not good to put God to the test. Satan does not give up. And he says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. See, here it is, you know, the the pride of life. All this I will give you, he said, as as, as if it was his to give, if you will bow down and worship me. Gets down to brass tacks. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Amen? And the Bible says, then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. I love that passage. His angels came and attended him. So here he is, Jesus, 40 days, fasting in the desert, gets tempted. It goes under incredible temptation. He overcomes. Satan goes away. And it says that angels came and attended him. You know, I, I love to feel that that's what happens to us in our lives. When we overcome temptation, when we don't give in to our attitude, we don't give in to sin, we don't give in to temptation, and we're like, we overcome, and we're like, amen, and then, you know, we, we, we kind of go back to the corner, like in a boxing corner, you know, by the way, I heard that Pacquiao and, and, and uh, uh, Mayweather are going to be fighting, right, or for those of you that follow golf, golf, uh, boxing, <laughs> but, yeah, there you go, so, you know, you go back to your corner, and then you just kind of get... Loved up on by the angels. In Luke, it actually says that Satan left him until an opportune time. So it, it is, you know, Satan leaves. He's like, okay, I'm done here. But he's like, I'll be back. I'll be back. I will come back later at a more opportune time. Will you strike a deal? Will you give in to temptation? Here are some tips for us. To overcome temptation. Do you want to learn something about overcoming temptation? I think, it's a, it's, I think it's something practical for our lives, right? First, we need to, you need to find your weak spot. Find your weak spot. You know, temptation is individual. Have you noticed that? 
It's very individual. In fact, even the temptation of Jesus is individual. Satan tempts him according to who Jesus is. He says, if you are the Son of God. He wouldn't have said the same thing for us. He would say, if you are a disciple, or if you are Mexican, or if you are from the United States, or if you are, you know, whoever you are, you know, if you live in San Gabriel, this is for you. So temptation is a very individual thing. We are not all tempted in the same way. You know, some of you might hear somebody be tempted by something like, that's crazy. How would you ever be tempted by that? It's like people who like and don't like beer, right? I know there's some people that love beer and some people that hate beer. Some people like the way beer tastes. I don't understand that. Because I, I, I drink a beer and I'm thinking, why would you rather drink this than a Sprite? I mean, a Sprite tastes a little bit better. But, you know, some, and sometimes we, we look at somebody like, why do they struggle with that? And that's just wrong. And we can become judgmental. Judging somebody else with why they're tempted by something that you are not tempted by. But yet you are tempted by your own stuff. This happens a lot between men and women. You know, women are like, oh, I can't believe, you know, you struggle with this. And I can't believe, you know, men struggle with this. And why are men like this? And, you know, men are such pigs. Well... You know, it's, it's interesting that the two passages in the Bible we looked at, both in Genesis and in Job, uh, don't really paint a flattering picture of the woman in the scenario. So I think this temptation is sent both ways around. Or as a man, we can look at the woman, why do you struggle with that? You know, why are you like this? And why do you keep, you know, battling with this? And why, you know, what, what about these insecurities? What, what's going on? And we can get very judgmental with each other. And judge somebody else. And you know what's amazing when we get judgmental? Is we look at someone else's temptation as much greater and bigger than our own temptation, don't we? It's like, what? Yeah, I'm tempted. But not like that. Yeah, you know, I'm tempted and stuff. I mean, I'm a sinner. But not like her. Don't we tend to do that? We tend to maximize someone else's temptation and we minimize ours. We're like, oh, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty good. You know, I can't believe people have figured that out yet, but, I, you know, I'm all right. We see other sin is worse. But you know what, what the Bible teaches us? is All sin is bad. All sin is bad. Because all sin is called sin. Because it's meant to destroy and it's meant to ruin your life and ultimately lead to spiritual death. So whatever sin we struggle with, all sin is bad. And we've got to be careful with, you know, being judgmental with each other. There's a scripture I want us to read in uh, James chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16. It talks about temptation, where it comes from, where it leads to. And it says the following in chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, when tempted, so you think it's going to happen? Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. You know, I can't believe God is doing this to me. I can't believe God put me in this situation. It says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But check this out. It says, but each person, see, it's very individual. Each person is tempted 
when they are dragged away by their own evil desire, so their own, not someone else's own, your own evil desire, and are enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Our own desires, it says, they drag us away and they entice us. You know, the word for entice is a fishing term. And it's, it's, it, it goes along with taking the bait. So we're, we're enticed, we're like taking the bait. Or, you know, you're baited, a fi- when a, vi- a fish is baited from their retreat. It's like a fishing ter- term. So, this is literally what happens. You know, Satan says, well, let me see, I think I'm going to tempt him, I think I'm going to tempt her. So what am I going to try? So I got some gummy worms right here. And you know, you got to have a, a hook and a bait. Put it on there. And then, you know, he kind of throws it all out. And he's like, come on, look at that. You know you want it. You know you want it. Oh, you know you want it. Doesn't it look good? I mean, look at that. Don't you want that? Right? Maybe on this side over here, right? You want that? Look at that. I mean, that looks delicious, doesn't it? It's actually the sour kind. It's the sour kind. It's good. And so he's waiting. You know, are you going to take the bait? Are you going to take the bait? Are you going to be dragged away and enticed? And he says, oh, you know, well, that, that's not really working. But he, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, oh, well, you know, that's not really working. Well, let me see. Let me try something else. How about a $100 bill? You know, we'll try that. Okay, look at this. You know? You know, it's like, hey, what are you doing here at church? You could be making some of this. You could be making more of this right here. Right, right. Don't you want that right there, George? I mean, look at that. It's a $100 bill. There it is. You could be making this. You could have this right here, you know? You know, why are you putting it in the plate? It could be yours. Right? And so Satan can tempt us. And maybe, you know, maybe that doesn't work. But, you know, I don't think this is really an accurate representation of our temptation and what you and I go through. I don't know if I was supposed to rip that or not. But I think being tempted is a lot more here in Southern California is a lot more like this. You know, you're walking around Southern California and you are not just tempted. It's not just one hook put in out there. You are bombarded, right? You are bombarded by sin. And everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, it's like, there it is. There's temptation. I mean, isn't this what it feels like? Doesn't it feel like this to you? I mean, you're walking around life and you're just, everywhere you turn, as soon as you wake up in the morning, temptation is all around you. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, there it is. You know, are you going to take the bait? You know, we're all tempted, the Bible says, but you need to find your weak spot. You need to find what that is for you. And what it is for you is not for somebody else. But you need to figure that out. You know, what is your area? What is it that kind of 
pushes you over the edge into temptation and sin. You know, the next thing we need to do is we need to find your blind spot. You know, finding your weak spot, yeah, we need to find it, but sometimes we have blind spots in our lives. There are things you and I cannot see. There are things that you and I cannot recognize. Just in the same way that we minimize our own sin and maximize other sins, in the same way we can be blind to our own weaknesses and sins. And for that, we need other people. We need somebody else to look out for us, to tell us, let us know, hey, listen, you have a blind spot right here. You have an area right here that you need to work on. And that's a good question for us. You know, how involved are other people in your life today? Do you have other people involved in your life? Deeply involved in your life? We can be surrounded. We can be in this church and it's a pretty large amount of people, large group of people. But yet be isolated. Be on our own. Not have people in our lives. Not be vulnerable with our lives. Not be open with what's really going on. And so no one can really tell us, hey, listen... You have a blind spot right here. You have something that is really affecting you and you need to look into it and change it. You know, secondly, when someone does that, has anybody done that to you, uh, uh, pointed out a blind spot in your life? You're like, oh, I didn't didn't know that. I didn't see that. How do you react? Do you get defensive? You're like, oh, no. No, you didn't. Yeah, well, you got, I got blind spots. You got blind spots. Let me tell you about that. Let's talk about your blind spots. How we start there, huh? Instead of really looking in a way, hey, this is a way for me to learn and to grow and to be able to overcome temptation when it comes. Amen? So you've got to find your blind spot. You need people in your life. You need to be open. You need to be transparent. Next thing we need to do is you need, you need to find your soft spot. It's very interesting in the story of Adam and Eve that Satan begins, you know, by all these physical temptations, attractions, but then he gets down to the emotional, right? He gets down to the sentimental. And he says, well, hey, did God really say that? I think God's, I think God's playing you. You know, I think he really doesn't want you to eat that fruit. Because if you eat that fruit, then you're going to be like him. And he's holding you back. And he starts to play with their emotions. Right? And the same thing with, with Jesus. He says, hey, listen, you know, why do you need God? You can do it yourself. You're the son of God. You're powerful. You can do it. You don't need God. Just throw yourself and save yourself. You can do it yourself. Make your own miracles. Make your own bread. And so Satan looks at those areas emotionally where we're emotionally weak. Those areas where he knows if he gets you there, he's got you. If he finds your cause, if he finds, you know what, I can't believe this and this, you know, this is not right. And we can be so righteously indignant that that indignation takes us over to sin. You know, what emotional areas are your soft spots? Well, you would decide to stop trusting God and taking things into your own hands. Because that's what it's all about. Dealing with temptation, brothers and sisters, and you who are here with us this morning, 
Temptation, really what it is, is you saying, I like this more than I like God. I like this thing more than I like God. And so the more you and I can be enamored and close to God, the less we're going to be prone to saying, I like this other thing. But, you know, Satan sometimes plays with our emotions, plays with our feelings. You know, we see that with Job, with him, you know, all the losses that he faced. And I know in our lives we face losses. We face difficulties. We lack things. We lack things emotionally. And we're wondering, hey, what's going on? Why, you know, what's happening? You know, if God was really with me. And, and so Satan finds our soft spot. He says, oh, there it is. Oh, your soft spot is jealousy? You're jealous of other people? Here you go. I'm going to magnify that. I'm going to make that big. I'm going to create situations to make you even more jealous. I am going to help that person succeed and do well. So inside, your jealousy can burn. So inside, it can grow. So inside, you can say, I can't believe it. Why do good things keep happening to her and they don't happen to me? I'm going to do that. Because in that way... I got you in your soft spot. I got you in that area where I know I could get you. Oh, your soft spot's your family? Let me tell you, I'm going to put them all against you. I'm going to, I'm going to, they're going to be against you. They're going to be against you following God, following the Bible. They're going to be totally upset. They're going to be hurt. Their feelings are going to be hurt just because you made this decision for me. And I'm going to do that because I know that's a soft spot for you. You've got to find that soft spot. So you are able to overcome. Amen. And finally, you need to find your parking spot. I was going to put, you know, the parking spot thing, but I want to make it an advertisement. You got to find your parking spot. You know, this is a, you know what Jesus does every time Jesus is tempted. How does he respond? How does he respond with his own words? With whose words? With God's word. Jesus responds with scripture. Every time there's a temptation, scripture. Temptation, scripture. Temptation, scripture. And so Jesus finds this parking spot to be able to overcome temptation. You know what's interesting? You know where those scriptures that that Jesus cites come from? You guys know where they come from? The three scriptures, right, that he mentions? They all come from the book of Deuteronomy. And they all come from Deuteronomy chapter 6 or Deuteronomy chapter 8. That's it. Now, all of us know that Jesus knew his Bible pretty well. He could have quoted scriptures from anywhere around the Bible. And you would think that in all three temptations, he responds with scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy and specifically from those chapters, chapter 6 and chapter 8. Why did he do that? Possibly one of the reasons he might have done that is maybe for that time that he was in the desert preparing for the temptation by Satan. Maybe he was reading the Bible in a year. And the part of the Bible that he was in at that time was Deuteronomy chapter 6 to to verse 8 to chapter 8. And so Satan comes and tempts him and he remembers his time with God, his devotional time from the morning. And he says, hey, you know, I just read this. 
And he responds with what he just read. Because it was fresh in his heart. Let me ask you something this morning. Is the word of God fresh in your heart? Or is this your weekly allotment? You come to church and this is like your vaccination for the week. You're like, you know, amen, I got to come to church. And I come to church, it's good. Then after that, I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to be in God's Word. Because I'm good. You know, and, and if the message was good, it might be better that week. But what if the message was bad? And that's your week? You know, I don't know about you, but by the next day, I've pretty much about forgotten a lot of what was said on Sunday. And you wonder, why is that? Well, that's why it's good to take notes, right? Then you can review them. But even when I take notes, I think it's because God wants us to daily be in His Word. To every day be in there. To be reading something and be fresh. So when temptation comes, because it's going to come, you and I can be ready with Scriptures to counteract that. Have you found your parking spot? How, how deep is your study in the Word? Are you consistent? Do you read your Bible every day? You know, Satan doesn't take a break. The Bible does says that he does leave, but he'll come back until an opportune time. We need to be in our Word. We need to be in God's Word. We need to be reading our Bible so we can be ready for those times. Amen? Now, let me share with you a promise. And this is a great promise also in the book of James. It says, submit yourselves then to God. To surrender to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. It didn't say he might or could possibly, but just like in Jesus' life, he left for a more opportune time. James chapter 4 and verse 7. So also in our lives, if we resist, if we submit ourselves to God, if we surrender to God, and we resist Satan, he will flee. Amen? We all face it. We all face temptation. But how you handle it is so important. And from Jesus this morning, we've really learned what it's going to take for you not to take that deal, not to take that bait, not to fall into that temptation that's all around you. And for that, we need to make sure that we find what our weak spot is. You know, what is your weak spot? It's different for you than it is for other people. Find your blind spot. Hey, you need other people in your life. Find your soft spot. You know, what is that area emotionally that you're vulnerable And lastly, we need to find our parking spot. Be in the Word. Be in the Bible. Resist Satan. Respond with Scriptures and say, you know what? No. Get behind me, Satan. I will not do that. I will not fall into temptation. I will not give in. I will not give up. I will not give give everything up that I work for for this. I will not be fooled. I will not be lied to. I will not fall into a scheme. I will not. And resist him. And he will flee. And I believe then angels will come and attend us. We can go back into our corner. We can be cleaned up. We can be 
helped and prepared, possibly for the next opportune time. I pray you and I this morning will not make that deal, will not take that deal, but decide to trust in God instead. Amen. May God bless you.